John chapter 10. We are continuing our series on the message of I am. And I was thinking this week, one of my favorite game shows growing up. I, I grew up uh, in the summers. I stayed with my grandparents um, at their house all summer. Mom and dad would drop me off, one of them, on their way to work. Um, and then I would stay till they got off of work. And I stayed there with my brother and myself. And then I had two cousins, two girls that were cousins, um, that uh, one was just a few weeks younger than me, and one was right in between my brother and I. And so Brian, my brother, and Jennifer and Paige and I would spend the summer with Granny Nell. Uh, Gramps was still working for part of that time. And in the midst of watching Granny's soaps, her stories, which we had to do, in uh, the midst of playing outside, we loved game shows and Price is Right and all of that. But one of my favorites was a game show hosted by a guy named Monty Hall, right? Anybody remember Monty Hall? All right, Monty Hall hosted a game. It's back today with Wayne Bray hosting called Let's Make a Deal. And my favorite part of that was when they would choose what door or curtain that they were going to do and then whether or not they were going to give that up for the chance of something else. You, many of you know the setup of the game. Behind one curtain would be a good prize. Behind another curtain would be a great prize. And behind the other curtain would be a... Yeah, why, why? Like, right? Would be a zoink. Would be something that was bad, right? Uh, 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 I, for whatever reason, I remember a lot of times a donkey was back there, you know, or something like that. It'd be a car in one and a donkey in another, right? And so I, I remember that. It's just the intrigue that was there about which door are you going to choose? Which gate are you going to go through? Which one are you going to choose as your option? You know, doors and gates have been symbolic of choices and opportunities we have for much longer than we can imagine. And the reality is that all of us in our lives have faced moments in our lives when we probably have used the phrase, well, that door is closed to me. Or a door just opened for me. And sometimes based on our performance or based on where we were born or based on where we live or based on what happens in our lives, doors are opened and closed based on how we live through our lives. And so maybe you're born in an area of the country where certain doors are just closed to you. Maybe you're born into a place where it seems like every door is open to you. Maybe you're somebody whose um, talent in a sport begins to open doors that would not otherwise be open to you. Or because of the way you excel intellectually or the way you proceed in your job, doors begin to open that were one time closed. That's not always good doors. Some of the doors that open are opportunities for us to go down paths that are not good, that are not right, that are not what they should be for us. One of my favorite basketball teams in the NBA uh, is the Memphis Grizzlies. Really love the Grizzlies. Um, Luke is a huge Grizzlies fan. We've been to Grizzlies games. We watch them. We talk about them. And the best player on the Memphis Grizzlies, without a doubt, is a guy named John Moran. And John's one of those kids that wasn't the most highly recruited guy out of high school. In fact, he went to... Murray State. Can I tell you something? Some of you love Murray State. It's a good school. If you're a highly recruited basketball player, you're not going to Murray State. All right. 
Went to Murray State, excelled there, got drafted really high by the Grizzlies and began to take the league by storm. And as he took the league by storm, all kinds of doors began to open to him. He had a deal with Nike open up. Becoming the face of the NBA was a possibility. All-star game, all-star weekend, a $200 million contract. That's That's a lot of money, right? All those doors began to open because of his God-given talent and how he developed it. At the same time, other doors began to open as well to opportunities that aren't as good. And in recent days, there have been lots of allegations about Ja walking through doors of opportunity that he never should have walked through. And it's a case study in the reality that the decisions and the choices we make have a real impact in our lives. And when doors open or close, we have decisions that have to be made. In John chapter 10, Jesus is in the middle of teaching. In fact, in the book of John, this is the last extended public teaching that Jesus does. The book of John, half of it is filled with the last week of Jesus' life. And so John chapter 10, it's public speaking out in front of people. This is the last extended place. And he gives us two of the I Am declarations. We'll talk about one this week and one next week. And the point he's going to make is that he is talking to people and saying, before you today, you have a choice between two doors, or in their day and time, between two gates. And today I'm just going to lay out for you the difference and the understanding of what the results are. John chapter 10, starting in verse 1, says this, Truly, I tell you, Anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other ways is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of the strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Jesus said again, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep and all who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Scripture teaches us here that what Jesus is doing is he is giving them a scenario. And when he's basically saying, you have two choices before you today. To follow the way of the leaders that have been leading you or to follow me and the true way. Now, just so you know, this particular time of Jesus is sandwiched in between two important events. In John chapter 9, we talked about last week, if you remember, that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And he demonstrated that through an illustration. What was the illustration he demonstrated it through? What did he do to show that he was the light of the world? It's good. Somebody else. He healed a blind man, right? He took somebody and took the scales off their eyes. He formed their eyes. He brought light in and he gave him sight. Now, do you remember, those of you that didn't know your scriptures, what happens when the blind man goes and tells others that he's been healed? The leaders, do they celebrate it? Do they get excited about it? Do they throw a party for him? 
Now, what do they do? They question him and then they throw him out of the of the synagogue. They say, we can't trust this. And so because of that, we are throwing you out. God may have worked in your life, but we don't believe it's of God. We believe it's of something else. So you are cast out. Chapter 10 is immediately after that. And Jesus is going to say, see how these people are not there for your well-being and for your health and for your good. They cast him out literally when God had worked in his life. They're at a festival, by the way, called the Festival of Dedication. Now, we know that by a different name today. It is the Festival of Hanukkah. And the Festival of Dedication, among other things, it celebrates a miracle that's not recorded in our scriptures because it happened in between Malachi and Matthew. It happened in that time frame in between that 400 years. But in the midst of that, there was a terrible thing that happened in Jerusalem. They were taken over and there was a, a guy that led a group called the Maccabees, Jews and the Maccabees, Jews Maccabees, and he led them out. And there was a miraculous thing that God did in providing light for them out of oil that wasn't going to be enough. And in the midst of that, God delivered his people, showed them who he was. And as a result, they celebrated that on a regular basis. But part of their temple time, part of their celebration of the Feast of Dedications was to talk about how terrible the leaders of Israel were at that time. And so you have this moment where the blind man's been healed and the terrible leadership cast him out. And then you're celebrating a festival where you would read about, in fact, Ezekiel chapter 34, what God says basically, because of the leaders of Israel, you have scattered my sheep. You have put them in danger. You have uh, taken advantage of them. You have stolen from them. You have taken their lives from them. And in the midst of that, Jesus says, basically, as those Pharisees and Sadducees and those that were around were questioning him about who he was and what was happening in his life. He looks at them and says, listen. You have a choice today. Between the door that leads to death and destruction. Or to me. As we walk through that passage again, we see him telling them that right from the beginning. He says, truly, I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter by the sheep pen but by the gate climbs in some other way and is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The way that they would take care of sheep a lot of times in that day and time is they would find somewhere that there was a natural protection. And so there would be a mountain or a cliff face or something, and they would have that as their background, and they would build the pen around it. They would put a gate at the front of it, and at the gate at the front of it, oftentimes the shepherd would sleep in front of the gate or post someone in front of the gate so that no one could get in or out. They literally slept by the door so that no one could get into the the sheep or no sheep could get out. And he says that if anyone has to get in, that's illegitimate, that's not really leading, they're going to choose not to go through the door that is the right one. They're going to climb over, they're going to steal, they're going to rob, and they're going to take them. In fact, the two words that are used here for thief and robber, one of them is kleptes, which is the word we get kleptomaniac from. 
Someone who steals and robs. The other, the robber, is a word that is meant to be an insurrectionist. Someone that is not only taking something, but is taking it in order to upset the evil that is around him. And so he is trying to do something. And he says about the leaders of Israel at that day, who were choosing not to follow God's way, that were choosing to question Jesus, that were not following who Jesus was and what he was claiming to be. He says they are like robbers and thieves. They are like people that can't stop themselves from stealing and insurrectionists that are climbing over the pen, taking the sheep out and running with them and harming them and hurting them. Next verse says this. The gatekeeper opens it for him and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all this outside, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. There's this awesome story that happened like 20 years ago in the Middle East. And it was in a moment of conflict and uh, uh, an invading group came into a town and they invaded the town. And part of what they did to punish the people of that town is they took all of their livestock. In particular, they took all of their sheep and they took their sheep and they put them in one giant pen. One giant pen where they were all mingled together and it was on the edge of town. And one of the ladies in the town's husband had just passed away and she was in desperate need. It was the only means of, of sustaining them that they had. And so she and her younger son went over there and they said to the guy that was there saying, listen, this is our only way to have a, make a living. We need these sheep. Is there any way we could get you these sheep? And he says, how in the world am I ever going to tell your sheep from everybody else's? And she said, if I could pick out my sheep and you knew they were mine, would you let me have them? And the guys, thinking there's impossibility, said, absolutely, whatever you want to do. At that time, her son took out a small reed-like flute and began to play just a simple song. And as he played a simple song and began to walk back from the pen, Several sheep's ears perked up and began to follow him home. It's become a legend, it's true over there, that the sheep know the voice of their shepherd. Here's what I think is interesting about this particular comparison. Jesus basically says, you can be snatched and coerced and forced or you can willingly follow. That's your choice. And the ones that are going to snatch and coerce and force do not have your best interest at heart. But I am the shepherd. We'll talk more about the good shepherd next week because that's what he says on the back end of this passage. But the point he's making here is that there's only one real choice. He goes on to say this in the next verse. The sheep will never follow a stranger. They'll run away because they don't know the voice of the strangers. Jesus gave them this, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Jesus said, truly, I tell you, I am the gate. And all who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. 
Jesus says, these are your options. The thieves and the insurrectionists that are coming to take advantage of you or me. And look at what happens to those of us that choose to follow Jesus, that believe. Let's go back one verse. Sorry about that. It says they will be saved, they will come in and go out, and they will find pasture. They will be saved. Here literally means they will be safe or rescued or protected. They will come in and go out. It's freedom that comes in Christ, being able to go in and out freely, back and forth, whatever we want to do. And then finally, they will find pasture. It means that they will be fulfilled. They will be safe and fulfilled with freedom. And the idea there is that in Christ is the ultimate satisfaction. And to drive his point home, he uses one of the most quoted verses in all of Scripture, although it is most of the time quoted out of the context of this particular story, and that is the next verse, verse 10. And it says, a thief. Now, in this particular passage, in this particular place, it's talking about those that would lead you astray, those doors that would be open to you, those opportunities that are there, that you think look good, but are leading you in a path that is opposite of what God would do. That that thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. I know sometimes when people make decisions in their lives, they make pros and cons lists, right? Anybody here a pros and cons list kind of person? All right. We had two people admit it. All right. Some of you are weighing the pros and cons of raising your hand in that moment and then apparently didn't come out with it. All right. I saw it. I could see it on your face, the calculations. This is a pretty easy pros and cons list here, right? Choosing someone else, the cons of not choosing Jesus is being stolen, being killed, being destroyed. The pros of following Jesus are life to the fullest. And the question today is simply, will you choose the door that leads to death or will you choose the door that leads to life? Let's make a deal as a fun game show that you might win a few thousand dollars on if you're lucky, even after you've dressed up and humiliated yourself on national television. The choice before us with Jesus is the most important choice we will ever make in our lives. The door, the opportunity is open. Will you choose the door that leads to death or will you choose the door that leads to life? That applies really in a couple of ways. First of all, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you've tried other doors, there is only one door that leads to salvation, and it is Jesus. And today is the day to make that decision. Today is the day to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. It also applies to those of us that are followers of Jesus because once we walk through that door, the enemy is not done with us. The way that this verse is most of the time used is not in the direct context, although I think it is a proper application, is in general the enemy, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That Satan wants to, even in the life of the believer, he wants to steal our witness or destroy our lives or kill our joy. 
And the choices we make as believers can determine whether or not we have the life to abundant. Now, Jesus is in complete control and will eventually bring us all together. But it does have an impact on our life here and now and our witness here and now and our ability to speak for the glory of God here and now. What doors we choose, what opportunities we pursue on a daily basis. One of the biggest lies that we tell ourselves is either that our choices don't matter in the grand scheme of the history of the world, or that they don't matter right now, and we got all the time in the world to correct whatever mistakes we make. Yesterday afternoon, uh, I had the opportunity to go and be a part of a prayer service. Luke is a sophomore at Liberty Creek High School, And you may have heard on the news or seen that one of the students at Liberty Creek, a freshman, while out picking up debris on Friday, had a a tree, limb, branch, something, fall, and hit her. And at the moment we had the prayer time yesterday, she was in very critical condition. It was a little bit of a surreal experience standing in an athletic training field house with multiple denomination, multiple pastors, school administration, coaches and students, parents gathered around fervently praising God and praying for Aaliyah. Aaliyah Brooks is her name. We found out shortly thereafter that Aaliyah had passed away. What's interesting about Aaliyah, part of her life, was that she was definitely one of those that continued to walk through the door of following Jesus. She was a strong believer from all accounts, from all of her peers. Some of our students knew her. They had a prayer time for her family last night in the midst of that. But one of the things that even talking with students yesterday there, even some of the prayers that were uttered yesterday, even having conversations about this, is that it reminded you of the fragility of life. And those of you who have been with me for 15 and a half years, you know that I don't do the scare tactics or the, hey, you got to do it now kind of thing. But the reality is, as my own son said yesterday afternoon, a little more than 24 hours ago, she was perfectly okay. And now she's with Jesus. What's crazy about that is just a reminder that she gave and the way God is using her testimony even in her death. Friday morning, she did her devotional and marked two verses that I know of that people have shared from her Version app on her phone. These are the two verses she shared. Romans 8.18 For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. This is the other one she highlighted. Revelation 21.4 He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Aaliyah had no idea what was coming, but God did. Now, here's the point this morning. I don't know where you are in your spiritual life. 
What I do know is, even as a pastor, it is so easy to get caught up in everything else going into my life and forget the urgency of choosing Jesus daily. And I don't mean for salvation. I mean choosing to do what God would have me do today, here and now. And I also know that in a room this size, there are people in this room that do not know Jesus as their Savior. I'm not talking about whether you're part of a church. I'm not talking about whether or not you have ever had a moment where you talked about it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone that has experienced the salvation of Jesus and has a personal relationship with him. None of us are promised tomorrow. Not a single one of us. Not a single one of us has promised to make it through this afternoon. And what I want is for my life, as long as it is given for me to be on this earth, to blaze for the glory of Jesus Christ. To declare the wonders of His work and to spread the kingdom that He is building on this place and that even in death that my life would be used as an example not of who I am or who I was, but of how great our God is. And so I don't know what's lingering in your mind. I don't know what decisions are there. I don't know what you've been putting off and following Jesus. Maybe perhaps it is that you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you've been putting that off and you've been thinking about someday or you've had conversations or thoughts about it. But today is the day. Don't put off tomorrow what may not come. I don't know what's going on in your life personally. I don't know what's happening in the depths of your soul. And I don't know what decisions as a believer in Jesus Christ you have been putting off. What sacrifices you have been unwilling to make. What things you are no longer doing that you ought to be doing for the sake of the kingdom. What attitudes you refuse to give up in order to see God move forward in your life. I don't know what is there. But what I do know is that you don't put off to tomorrow what God has called you to do today. So that's my question to you today. What doors are you walking through in your life? And if it's anyone other than the one that is Jesus, then you're making a mistake. Choose Him today and every day for the first time or for the millionth time. Choose Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this moment. We're not guaranteed any other. I'm thankful for the opportunity we have to be here, here and now. And Lord, I pray that today we would all choose to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.